What's up, guys? Welcome back to In the Bonus. I'm your host, Johnny Peterson. Let's jump right into the show. Always got to start our uh, episode off with dubs and L's. Our first dub of the week. Guys, it's the same dub as last week. For some reason in the NBA... People cannot stop scoring 50 points. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, last week, we saw Steph drop 50 in three quarters, and guess who did it this week? Clay Thompson. The, the, the Warriors are just too good. They're just too good. Clay had 52 in like 27 minutes. He took something like five dribbles on his way to hitting 14 threes, which is the most in an NBA game ever, breaking his teammate Steph's record. I, I, I don't understand. The, the other teams around the league just have to be looking at the Warriors going, what the hell are we going to do? What the hell are we going to do? Because they're just too, they're flat out, they're just too good. They're just way too good. Uh, our other dub of the week, Derrick Rose, 50-piece, easy work. Um, this, this caught a lot of, a lot of national headlines because we all know Derek Rose, 2011 MVP. He has, uh, after that MVP season, he went on to, to, to tear his knee up three different times. And for a while there looked like he was falling out of the league last year. He had to take some time away from the, away from the game of basketball, had to just sort of get his mental health back together. And for him to come out and, and drop 50 in a win, by the way, too, they beat Utah. Uh, Utah is, is, no, is no laughing matter. Utah's a real team. To drop 50, it, it's just huge for his career. It just shows the, the power of the persistence of sports. It, it was a great moment for everyone to experience. Very happy for Derrick Rose. So uh, those are our two dubs for the week. And, you know, maybe next week more people are going to drop 50 points. It's probably going to happen. It, this is. I was reading some statistics earlier. Uh, this start to the season, teams are averaging the most amount of points I think ever in the history of the league, and they're on pace to have like one of the highest scoring seasons that we've ever seen. And and it's unreal. And it has to go back. It goes back to the evolution of the game. The fact that it is now a three point dominant shooting league. If you can shoot. If you are big and you can run, you you will be successful. That is how you win. You need big shooters. That's how you win in this league. Uh, luckily for Golden State, they have a shit ton of them. Our L of the week. This is a pretty this is a pretty sad L. This L goes out to the entire city of Cleveland, the whole city. We know the Browns just fired their head coach, but this isn't about the Browns. The Cavs also fired Ty Lu. You fired Ty Lu. And look, I get it. The Cavs are sitting at the the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now. Okay, I understand that. They're one and seven. But you fire Ty Lu. They fired Ty Lu, who has a hundred and twenty-eight and eighty-three record, and has taken the Cavs to three straight finals, including a championship including a championship. He won 61% of his games, and after you go 0-6, you, you're just going to fire him? That doesn't make any sense to me. If anything, 
Ty Lue was one of the things that worked about this team. He he was sort of an extension of LeBron. LeBron was the team, and Ty Lue was an extension of LeBron. Now, granted, now that LeBron's gone, maybe Ty Lue doesn't fit so well into this system. I don't think it justifies him getting fired, though. Uh, you, you, ha- you look at the record. Uh, 61% win rate? Come on. But that's not the only reason Cleveland gets the L this week. Kevin Love is out for six or more weeks after having surgery on his left foot. Kevin Love is the face of the Cavs now, along with Colin Sexton and, I guess, Larry Nance Jr.? I don't know. Nevertheless, Kevin Love is the face of this franchise, and he's out for six or more weeks. They're already 1-7. and seven. This, this is not looking good for, for Cleveland. That's not the only reason. There's still more. There's still more to why Cleveland gets the L this week. J.R. Smith vocally said that he wants out of Cleveland. He was talking to a reporter, uh, I think it was a post-game reporter, and the, the reporter said, are you hoping for a trade from Cleveland? And J.R. was like, yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, our good buddy Woj, who we get all of our NBA news from, the NBA will examine if J.R. Smith's comments constitutes a public trade request, which exposes him to a fine under the CBA. Eric Bledsoe uh, was popped $10,000 for the I don't want to be here tweet in Phoenix last year. Now look, at the end of the day, to these NBA players, $10,000 is not a big deal. But you combine this, you combine the J.R. Smith uh trade request with Kevin Love being out for six plus weeks to Ty Lue being fired to the Cavs throwing more money at Larry Nance Jr. for some reason. It, it is, I feel very bad for the city of Cleveland. And that kind of leads into our next segment. I, I want to jump into our overtime segment first really quick, just because uh, this L for Cleveland, it, it paints a broader picture that we may not be noticing. What was the key difference between last year and this year's Cleveland Cavaliers team? It's probably pretty obvious, but for those of you who have been living under a rock, LeBron was there, but now he's gone. And you have noticed this trend with LeBron. Every time he leaves a team, they kind of go into shambles. And one of the biggest arguments that people make for LeBron not being the GOAT is his uh, his record in the finals. He's something like three for, three for eight. But let's talk really quick about this other aspect of it. What happens when LeBron leaves a team? How is that team impacted? The, team, the, the proof is in the pudding right here. You look at the Cavs right now. They are garbage. I have a, a quote from Shannon Sharp. He said, in 1993, the Chicago Bulls won 57 games and the NBA title. Then Michael Jordan retires, the Bulls win 55 games, and they're a Hugh Holland's blown call away from advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's without MJ. Does this Cleveland team look like they're heading to uh, one call away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals? No. They're looking like... Every team in the East would have to lose 90% of their team due to crazy injuries for them to even make the playoffs. That's where this Cleveland team is heading right now. And that, I think, is a, is a testimony to the greatness of LeBron James. I think based on, if you look at this alone, if you look at how teams performed with player X, with Michael Jordan or LeBron James, 
on their team versus how they performed without them, I think that is the greatest measure of how great a player really is. LeBron took these teams out of the dumps when he came there. He revived the city of Cleveland. He revived Miami. He revived Cleveland again. He revived Los Angeles. Michael Jordan, yeah, he won six titles in six years, but when he wasn't there, the Bulls didn't really miss him that much. Yeah, he's Michael Jordan. I'm not trying to disrespect MJ at all. I do think Michael and LeBron are the two greatest players to ever play this game. But if you look at just this this situation, if you look at it from this lens, how they performed when, how the team that they played on performed when they left, I think that is very telling to how, uh, how good a, a player really is. And I think that that is what would give LeBron James the edge over Michael Jordan. Okay, that's it for the overtime segment. Let's move on uh, to, I, I wanted to talk about, I just wanted to list my, my top three point guards in the NBA today. Uh, everyone's list is going to be different. Uh, you might have the same, I I wanted to do three because I wanted it to be very concise who I think are the three overall best point guards in the NBA right now. And most people do five, they do 10, but, but after that, I think three is, is, is a solid, uh, a solid way to go. So at number three, Steph Curry, Steph Curry transformed the NBA. He changed it into what it is today. He, he is the singular reason the Golden State Warriors exist and that this whole arms race of trying to stockpile shooters and all-stars exists and he's the reason the NBA is what it is today. Had it not been for Steph Curry, it may be leaning towards it, but we may still be a couple years away. But you're starting to see it with the younger guy, younger generation too. Trey Young is literally a spitting image of Steph Curry spitting image now he may not end up as good as Steph Curry but he is a spitting image of the type of player that Steph Curry is and if you look at these AAU uh, circuits and high school and uh, kids entering into college they're all trying to be like that they're all trying to pull up from four feet behind the line trying to pull up from the logo they're trying to break your ankles they're trying to do these crazy scoop layups and just bombard deep ass threes that is what basketball is turning into I'm not necessarily for it but that combined with how successful Steph has been with the Warriors, regardless of who else they have on their team, that's why I have Steph at number three. Number two, James Harden. James Harden is, while you, you have Steph, Steph changed the, the culture of the league. James Harden revolutionized the point guard position. When James Harden came into the league, he was a shooting guard. He was not a point guard coming into the league. Uh, that's because he had him paired with Russell Westbrook and he was a shooting guard in college. He goes to Houston and he, Mike D'Antoni just sees, holy cow, this kid can flat out score so much. Why isn't he bringing the ball up? They move him to the point guard position. His assists go up. His points even go up. Granted, Steph and Harden are not the best defensive players in the league, but I'm not basing it on defense alone. I'm basing it on their impact in the NBA. James Harden is also the current reigning MVP. He led the Rockets to the best record in the NBA last year, six, 65 games. And he led the Rockets to arguably the closest thing we've ever seen to the Warriors being knocked out of the West. They were one game away. They were one Chris Paul hamstring injury away from playing in the NBA Finals against Cleveland. And 
people might be thinking, oh, wait, what about Chris Paul? Chris Paul's on the on the Rockets too. You you look me dead in the eye and you tell me that Chris Paul is better than James Harden. Please tell me. I will gladly match that argument. Chris Paul is old. Chris Paul is slowing down. Chris Paul is not 6'6". Chris Paul cannot shoot it as well as James Harden. Chris Paul is not as creative. Chris Paul is creative and crafty. I'll give you that. Chris Paul is a much better defender. But James Harden has had a bigger impact on the Rockets and on the league as a whole. My number one point guard in the NBA is Kyrie Irving. He is what... He's sort of a combination of Steph and James Harden. He has that craftiness. He has that pull-up game. Uh, Defensively, Kyrie is very nice on the defensive end. He has a championship. I mean... When I was putting this list together, it it made a lot more sense that Kyrie would be number one. Now I'm kind of second-guessing myself, but I'm going to stick to it. I think Kyrie is the best point guard in the NBA. He is the face of arguably the the next franchise of the NBA, the Boston Celtics. He was able to play well with LeBron James, which a lot of stars have problems with. People... Say, say what you will about LeBron James. People have difficulties playing with him at some point because of the fact that you get stuck in his shadow. Kyrie was the number one overall pick in the NBA draft after only playing 11 college games and had a broken foot. He's revitalized the shoe industry for Nike. Kyrie's shoe is one of the most popular on the market. I guess this list isn't so much necessarily about who's a flat-out, quote-unquote, better basketball player, a better point guard. I'm just more of looking at it from who's had a bigger impact. So those are my top three point guards today. DM me if you feel differently. I want to hear your guys's. If you guys disagree with my list, tell me why. Would love to hear some constructive criticism on the podcast. Speaking of you guys, it's recruitment time. If we don't get more people listening to the podcast, I can't do it anymore. That's just how it goes. It's just how it is. If the podcast doesn't grow, no point in keeping on doing it. Uh, You're listening to this right now because you like hearing me talk about basketball and you like thinking about what I have to say about basketball. You could probably think of another person too. Someone maybe you play pickup with, someone who maybe is on your team if you're currently a player, somebody at work who maybe you chat about basketball with on uh, every other occasion. Just text them this link. Be like, hey, give this a listen. You might like it. All you can do is try. And I appreciate you doing that right now as I'm saying this, just swiping up, copying the link, and texting it over. All right, next segment. The best basketball player you've never heard of. Now, a lot of you guys might have heard of this player, uh, and I'm not. I'm using the word best loosely. I'm using that term loosely. Um, this is more of a, a heartwarming story, and... This is about uh, Chris Herring, who uh, was a member of the Boston Celtics back in the 90s, uh, late, ni- or late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, if you don't know who Chris Herring is, he has a 30 for 30 by ESPN about him. It's called Unguarded. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend you watch it. But if you want the uh, TLDR version of that, that's what this is going to be. Chris Herring was born September 27th. 1975. He attended BMC Durfee High School in Fall River, Massachusetts from 1990 to 1994. His family's history at that high school includes his father, grandfather, older brother, and three uncles who all played basketball there. 
He finished his high school career with 2,073 points, the most points ever scored by an individual at the school to this day. He turned down offers from Kentucky, Duke, a couple of good teams you might have heard of, uh, and elected to play at Boston College. In his senior year, he was na- Chris Heron was named the Boston Globe and Gatorade Player of the Year. He was also named to the McDonald's All-American team, and he was the central figure in a book about his high school entitled Fall River Dreams. He would go on to play in college at Boston College in 1994 and would end up transferring to Fresno State, and we will get into why. This is what makes uh, Chris Heron the best player you've never heard of and, and such an interesting, uh, such an interesting uh, player. As of 2004, Chris Heron had 20 felonies on his record, all drug-related. In his time at Boston College, he failed 63 drug tests while failing another 12 at Fresno State. While he was playing for the Boston Celtics, Heron started to use painkillers such as Oxycontin, Vicodin, and Percocets. In December of 2007, Heron was charged with possession of heroin in the parking lot of a Dunkin' Donuts in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Upon returning from playing overseas, Heron started to purchase and use crystal meth. In Fall River, Massachusetts, Heron overdosed on heroin and crashed into a utility pole. According to paramedics, he had been dead for 30 seconds. That's insane. The, the documentary, the 30 for 30 documentary goes into this in a lot more detail, but this dude was straight up hooked on some hard shit. He was hooked on some hard drugs while he was playing in the NBA, and it's insane. He was playing, he was a phenomenal player, and some, for some reason, you gotta check out the documentary, drugs just got a hold of him. But the reason he's the best, best player you've never heard of this week is not because of his drug addiction, it's how he overcame that. I'm just gonna continue down the Wikipedia page. After completing intensive rehabilitation programs, Heron had been alcohol and drug-free since August 1st, 2008. In June of 2009, he launched Hoop Dreams with Chris Heron, a a basketball player development company to mentor players on and off the court. Heron has written a book with the Providence Journal uh, columnist Bill Reynolds titled Basketball Junkie, a memoir documenting his career on and off the court. Probably should pick that up. It was released in 2011. ESPN aired a documentary, Unguarded, directed by Jonathan Hawk based on Heron's basketball career and drug-related issues which has been nominated for two Emmys, uh, Outstanding Sports Documentary and Outstanding Editing, Heron now travels the United States sharing his story about drug abuse and how he's overcoming it with professional help. He's done the Purple Project, uh, as well as the Heron Project, founded in 2011. So really, a really interesting story. Definitely check out that ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Unguarded, pick up his book too. Totally recommend it. This guy completely changed his life. And could have been one of the NBA greats. Absolutely could have been, uh, based on hit, based on what people say about his career and the documentary. This kid was really good. So that is our best player you've never heard of today. That's going to be it for the podcast today, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, send this link out to somebody that you might like or that might like the podcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at in the bonus pod. DM me on Twitter or on Instagram at Johnny Threederson. Uh, any NBA stuff that you might want me to talk about. Try to stay away from videos. I get a lot of people sending me uh, videos of like dunk contests and top five dunks ever. This is an audio podcast. Uh, I can't really 
uh, unless you guys want me to describe the videos to you, um, I'll probably steer away from that. I'm more talking about like interesting articles that you may have stumbled across, uh, interesting stories that are happening in the NBA. If I haven't seen them, maybe I uh, glossed over them. Anyway, I appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next week for episode 20 of In the Bonus. Mm-hmm.